Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hey, welcome to Community of Hope, and for all of you who are with us online, we're so glad that you're joining us here today, too. The vast majority of you uh, in our church are streaming online still, so we're glad that you're here today. It's great to be back here at the West Campus, and I say in downtown Loxahatchee. So it's great to be back here with everybody today. If you don't know me, my name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope, and we're just delighted that you've joined us here today. Hey, everybody, we also have a cool thing that's going on. We're broadcasting live to the East Campus today. So East Campus, what's up? Pastor Dale is with you today. East Campus, make some noise. Woot, and let's all welcome East Campus together as one church. Awesome. Very glad to be here with everybody today. And hey, can we give it up for the worship team and can we honor them and say thank you? Thank you, Keith. Thank you, team. Uh, that was Keith and Kat. And the lady over here, that's my beautiful wife, Leah. And it's great to have her lean worship here at the West Campus. And Leah and I have a little cool thing to tell everybody today. Uh, we're having another baby. Yeah. There she is. I thought you meant to go check on the kids. Hey, baby. Ah. Yeah, so, uh, so we're having another baby there. Some of you knew, some of you didn't know, so we're finally letting everybody know. Some people are like, is she, is she pregnant? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So, uh, so just wanted to let everybody know about that. So we covet your prayers and all that. And we moved, when we moved here, we had little Cade, who was a year and a half old. And when, some of you, this is a long time ago, but Lee and I came up here on the stage here at the West Campus. And we had Cade, and it was just the three of us. And to introduce us to the church, Pastor Dale Brassepper prayed for us, and Cade stuck both of his fingers up his nose at the same time. And now we're having three kids here in Palm Beach County. It's pretty crazy. That's pretty nuts. So the Johnsons are multiplying, so that's a fun thing. Would you pray for our family, please? Yeah, great. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and jump right on. And last week, we started a series that we're calling Mistaken Identity. Everyone say that with me mistaken identity. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about who is God really? Many people have said the most important thing about you in your life is what you think about God. When somebody says, who is God? What pops in your head is the most important thing about you. Is God like Morgan Freeman? I don't know if God sounded like Morgan Freeman. That wouldn't be half bad, right? (laughs) That wouldn't be so bad. Is God like that? Or is God like Ned Flanders, Oakley Doakley? What is God like? When God pops in your head, what is the thing that you think about? And who is God really? This is so vitally important for you and for your life. Now, uh, Pastor Dale did a great job kicking us off last week. And the reason that we're talking about some of this is because it's easy for people to have mistaken identities about who God is. Did you know that? That you could be a regular churchgoer and attender, and it's easy for followers of Jesus to pick up the wrong idea about who God is, and that has dire consequences for your life. So, for instance, Pastor Dale last week talked about this, that there are three scenarios that people run into in life when um, that impact your faith in a negative way. And if you haven't properly dealt with some of these mistaken identities that people have about who God is, when you run into any of one of these three life scenarios, it could bump your faith. It will either keep you shallow in your faith, or you might walk away from faith altogether. 
So one of the things that he talked about last week, if you're taking notes, we have it on our notes at COH app, and you can go watch this on YouTube. But Pastor Dale talked about sometimes people go into an irreligious environment. Now, what we're not saying is people should just avoid irreligious environments, and you should only stay in the church, and you should only have Christian friends. That's not, that's not what we're talking about, and that creates holy huddles, and people who are only around religious people end up being weird people. So don't do that. Now, but what we're actually talking about is how people might... Uh, have an experience of growing up in church or, or being around faith, and they have a real experience with Jesus. But they grow up, but their faith never does. Even though they mature, their faith stays immature. You end up going to an irreligious environment, like, say, kids graduate and go to college. Now, Pastor Dale gave scary, Pastor Dale gave scary st- statistics about kids going off to school, walking away from faith. I saw it in real time in my time at Florida State University, which needs a whole lot of Jesus and a whole lot of help with football right now. now but when Leah and I were doing campus ministry at Florida State University, I would tell college students who had come from any type of church experience, like, here's the deal. You better pick a church within the first three weeks and start attending, or you're probably not going to go to church for the next two years. That's just how it was. It's where people have, uh, they, they mature, go into an irreligious environment, but their faith never grew up with them. And you enter an irreligious environment, oftentimes it's easy for people to walk away from faith. He also talked about something that we called a faith trauma. That, let's say if you have this faith that's never matured, you've matured, but it stayed adolescent faith, even though you've grown out of adolescence. And then you experience a life event. Now, does anybody, can anybody attest to this here with me that life is a full contact sport? Right? Like life happens. Wow. Um, and life has a lot of difficulty in it. Well, if you have faith that has never matured with you and life comes at you like a brick wall, your faith can't handle that. And so it's not only a life trauma, it ends up being a faith trauma because you're thinking about who God is has never matured. When life hits you, you're not prepared for it. And oftentimes, people will walk away from faith. But it's not God's fault. It's their lack of maturity with their faith, where they have an incoherent faith. And they weren't ready. Their life circumstances outpaced the pace of their maturity following Jesus. And so we have these irreligious environments that can do this to us. We have these faith traumas that can do this to us where something happens in life or maybe uh, somebody gets hurt by the church because what do you know? Uh, the church is full of sinful people. Like you're a sinner and you're a sinner. I'm just pointing at random people. You're a sinner, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Our church is led by a sinner. We're all sinners here in this place. And so we're all not here because we're Jesus. We're here because we need Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? All right. And so sometimes people can get hurt by church, but if you have an, an, an immature understanding of your faith and who God is, you will walk away from God. But it's not God's fault. It's our own lack of understanding. And so we have these irreligious environments, these faith traumas that Pastor Joe talked about, and then a lot of times we just have junk drawer faith. Which time you have the junk drawer in your kitchen? You know, that's the drawer with the Chinese food menu, the takeout menu, and the t- takeout Mexican food menu, and pot holders and pens that you're not really sure if they work or not, but they're in there still, but you're not throwing them away, and sauce packets and all that stuff. We all have junk junk drawers in our kitchen. A lot of people treat God this way, where we've never developed a coherent thought process or framework about who we think God is, but we just throw junk in there, and eventually when we need it, we think it'll be okay, but that doesn't cut it. If you've got to cook for your in-laws, what's in the junk drawer ain't going to cut it. And when life happens to you, the junk drawer of faith 
ain't going to cut it. You need more. And so here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you avoid all these things. We're trying to help your faith grow up and mature. And we're trying to confront these mistaken identities about who God actually is so that you'll be ready. And then not only so your faith will match the pace of life, but what if your faith outpaced even at whatever life could throw at you, right? This is what we're aiming for today. So who is God really? What is God really like? God is Christ-like, and God is like Jesus, because Jesus is God. So our theme verse for today, and for the whole series, is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to put it on the screen. I encourage you to read it out loud with me. It's just one verse. Ready? Go. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. So God, our quest today is to be nourished by your word and to be filled by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would grow us in our understanding of you that would outpace whatever life could throw at us. Would you teach us who you really are? You're the God who reveals himself to those who would seek him. Would you reveal yourself more clearly to all of us here today and streaming online and at the East Campus? Would you do what we pray through the name of the one who is the exact representation of your being, through the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So uh, I want to start today off by talking about half-truths. Half-truths. Now, um, half-truth is really what we're going to be talking about throughout this whole series, okay? Now, half-truth is not a flat-out lie because it's partially true. But at the same time, half-truths are not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? Um, some examples of half-truths might be hard work equals success. You ever heard that before? Hard work leads to success. Now, is that partially true? Sure. Any of you ever worked hard for something and didn't have success quite yet? Uh-huh. It's a half-truth. Exactly. Here's some other half-truths. Um, time heals all wounds. I hear some of you giggle. That proves it's a half-truth. Okay, because time does, does time heal some wounds? Do some things get better over the course of time? Yes, of course they do. But it doesn't heal all wounds. And sometimes it makes some wounds worse. Here's another one. You can be whoever you want to be. And that's true. It's good to tell that to some kids like, you know what? Try hard. Do your best. You can be whatever you want to be. That's half true. One of my favorite things, remember those motivational posters people used to have, like a guy is running by sunset and says, perseverance, you can do it. Remember those? My favorite ones were called demotivators. It was like the sarcastic version of these things. It was a picture of French fries. And on it said potential. And underneath it said, not everybody gets to be an astronaut when they grow up. <laughs> oh, Half-truths, right? Half-truths. Um, another half, here's another half-truths. Like, education can open doors for you. True. Not always true. Here's another one. Your wife comes in, is wearing a new dress. She asks if it looks good. Half-truth might save your butt right there. And all the men said, amen. amen. Right, okay. Now, 
So in this series, what we're going to be talking about are different half-truths every single week about who God is. And so it's a half-truth, but we're going to call it, for the sake of our purposes of what we're doing, we're going to call it a problematic idea. A problematic idea. And so we're going to do this every week, every single week, for the next several weeks. We're going to have one of these going, and here's the one for this week. It's half-truth about God, but it's a problematic idea. We're going to go ahead and put it on the screen. It's this right here. God will always protect me and will never let anything bad happen to me. God will always protect me and will never let anything bad happen to me. It's half-truth. It's half-truth. So we call this mistaken identity about God bodyguard God. Everyone say that with me. Bodyguard God. Bodyguard God. He, this is the God who is my heavenly secret service. This is the God who watches over me, protects me, watches my steps, won't let anything bad happen to me. We're Whitney Houston. He's Kevin Costner. Come on, sing it with me. And uh, yeah, no, no one wants to hear me sing that. But he is our heavenly protector who protects us from anything bad ever happening to us. He is bodyguard God. Now, so we have this problematic idea and this half truth. But what we're also going to do every single week in this series is we're going to put up a disclaimer about what we're not saying. Because it's not a fall, it's not a full out lie. It's partially true. So here's the disclaimer on everybody here loud and clear. What I am not saying today, what I am not saying today is that God doesn't protect. I am not saying that. It's absolutely clear in scripture that God does. It's clear in my own life God has. I'm not saying God doesn't protect. Let me give you some examples of this. So um, last week, Pastor Dale um, kicked off our new series, which is a little weird for us because usually the Sundays after Christmas and the Sundays after Easter is when I preach because those are what are called National Associate Pastor Sunday or otherwise known as Naps Sunday, okay? <laughs> and so, but Pastor Dale, who's our lead pastor, founding pastor, senior pastor, he's the one who preached. Well, he was being a great senior pastor and a great boss and a great friend, and he gave me the weekend off because... I took my son, Cade, for Boys Weekend to WrestleMania in Tampa Bay, baby. Here's a picture of it. Here's a picture of it. Yeah, look at that. That's right. That t-shirt says WrestleMania, home of the champs. It was a Buccaneer-themed WrestleMania. Come on. All righty. It was a Buccaneer theme in WrestleMania, and uh, it was absolutely awesome. There's a picture of us. People are still coming in as fans at that point. You're going to go to the next picture. Here it is when the event was actually going on. How awesome is that? That's right. That is a big Scottish dude coming out to fight for the WWE title at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If that's not what heaven on earth looks like, I'm not sure what it is. Why am I talking about this? Because Kate and I, before we pulled out of the driveway, prayed for God to protect us all the way there and all the way back. Is that wrong? No. I knew I was preaching this message and I was doing it. It's not wrong to pray for protection. One of my favorite stories about Pastor Dale, um, I'll never forget him sharing this. He talked about how he was in um, his driveway and wanted to change his own oil, and he put his car up on ramps, and he was under his car, you know, doing the stuff, changing the filter, draining the oil, putting oil and all that stuff. He's under his car. He hears a whisper in his heart that he thought was from the Holy Spirit, and he felt like a, this voice said to him, sit up right now. That's weird. He rolled out and sat up immediately. And then his car rolled off the ramps. If he hadn't listened to that voice, the car would have literally rolled over him. Right? Wow. Does God protect? Yes. Here's the problem. 
That's why problematic idea. For every answered prayer and for every voice heeded, there are also a litany of stories I've experienced as a pastor where people experience suffering and pain and loss. I remember training as a pastor um, in Kentucky. I had to spend a whole summer in hospital learning how to be a chaplain. And my floors in the hospital were the oncology ward and the emergency room. It was the long road of suffering or immediate crisis. And let me tell you how hard it was in the emergency room. Some, pastor, um, some doctors are, have fantastic bedside manner. They have um, just, they're incredible patients. And some doctors really stink at the people part of it. They're great at medicine, they stink at people, okay? And so some doctors, somebody would die in the emergency room after an accident. And they would hand me the file and say, you go talk to the family. And I would walk into a waiting room and a family would look at me and say, did he make it? And I would have to tell them no. So here's why it's a problematic idea. God will always protect me and will never let anything bad happen to me. But we know bad things happen. And bad things happen to good people. It happens. It does No one has ever come to faith in Christ for this argument because nothing ever bad happens in the world. There must be a good and gracious God who loves me. No one's ever come to Jesus because of that argument because we all know bad things happen in this world is full of suffering and pain and loss. And here's what's insidious about bodyguard God. If you fully believe this half-truth all the way, what happens then is when something bad happens to you or something bad happens to someone you love, well, then how do you equate that with a God who will always protect? If God will always protect me, but something bad happens to me, then that means God failed. Or worse, that means that God doesn't care. Or worse, it means that God doesn't actually exist. And I'm here to tell you today that if you have ever struggled with these thoughts, I'm here to tell you today that bodyguard God isn't in the Bible. I'm here to tell you today that if you believe that, you actually didn't get that from Christianity. Remember, Christianity started like this. It started with the worst thing ever happening to the best person ever. In fact, if this was true about Christianity, no one would have become a Christian. Christianity wouldn't have even survived the first century because all the heroes of Christianity had bad things happen to them. Almost all of them were martyrs, like the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21. Paul starts bragging about his life and his relationship with God. But this kind of a weird brag. Listen to this. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about... I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been put, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones and a partridge in a pear tree. No, he keeps going. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger from the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Wow. If bodyguard God was the full truth about who God is, then Paul is listing all the ways that he has failed. But that's not what's true. Bodyguard God is not in the Bible. But Jesus is. And Jesus is better than bodyguard God. So we have this problematic idea and a disclaimer, but each week we just don't want to deconstruct things. We want to tell you the truth. So what's the truth and what's the challenge of all of this stuff? Was Jesus. He's the exact representation of who God is. What does Jesus say? First, Jesus taught us to expect trouble. He taught us that we should expect trouble. It says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things, though in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, I don't know about you, but my goodness, my life gets easier when I expect things to be difficult. You know what I mean? Like, my wife and I have talked about the size, and she's helped me get this. She's better at this than me. But uh, when I expected parenting to be a little challenging, it got easier. When you expect a workout to be a little bit harder, it gets easier. When you expect a season of life to have trouble, it gets easier to endure. And this is what Jesus is telling us. Life will have trouble. In this world, Jesus taught us a worldview that this is not God's perfect world. This is a fallen world. He says it's a spiritual war zone between good and evil in the spiritual realms. You're going to have trouble. This is a fallen and broken and sinful world with broken systems and broken governments. You're going to have trouble. It's filled with broken and sinful people doing things against God's will, and you're one of them. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So he taught us to expect trouble. But then he gave us hope with some promises he makes. Like Jesus promises. He promises his presence even in the midst of trouble. He never promised that you would never have pain, that you would never have loss, that you would never have suffering. But he did promise his presence would be with you in all of it no matter what. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus promised here in the Great Commission some of his parting words to the disciples before he sent it into heaven. He said, and I am with you always to the very end of of the age, he promises never, ever to leave. When people come into my office and we're praying through some of their deepest pain and deepest tragedies and deepest trauma they've ever experienced in their life, I've prayed with people who have lost children. I've prayed with people who've been abused. I've prayed with people who were betrayed. And when everybody asks me, Jesus, where was he? Where was Jesus when this happened to me? I'll look at him and say, well, let's ask him. And we pray, say, Jesus, would you reveal to them where you were when this happened? And I've done this hundreds of times with people, and he answers it the same exact way for hundreds. He shows them he was with them in it, 
holding them and weeping with them in it. It says in Psalm 56, verse 8, you keep a track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book, knowing that Jesus is with people in their pain, in their suffering. He has promised his presence even in life's troubles. It's the beginning of healing and enduring difficulty that you go through. He not only promises his presence, but this is one of my favorite things that Jesus promises. He promises redemptive purpose to pain as well. Redemptive purpose to pain. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is one of the best reasons to become a follower of Jesus, because in him, God promises to work all things, even the horrible things that happen that he will work it for good, that he will. And it's conditional. It's only for those who are willing to give it to him and to follow him. Um, Many of you remember I talked about this in the fall. Here's a picture of my brother and my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law, Nina, in the fall was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. And many of you have been praying for her. Thank you for her uh, praying for her. There's a quick little update. Um, Nina, uh, she, her, she went through several rounds of chemo, and because her scans maybe a month or two ago showed not a single cell of active cancer in her body. Isn't that great? <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Now, please keep praying for her. She's going to have surgery in a week. She's going to have radiation. You know, it's still a long road. Please pray for her. But the reason I'm talking about this here is that when you talk to her about it, she says the most amazing things. You ready for this? This is somebody with stage 4 breast cancer. She says, I would not wish this upon anybody, but I would, I wouldn't wish this upon anybody, but I wouldn't take it away from me because of what God has done in me and through me. Think about that. What this godly woman of her testimony is saying is that The power of God's redeeming purposes, even in life's pain and bad diagnosis and death and its suffering, is so good, she wouldn't rewind and change her diagnosis. This is one of the best reasons to follow Jesus. He redeems your pain like no one else. Bring purpose to it. And lastly, Jesus ultimately promised freedom from suffering. In the words of the very end of the Bible, at the very end of the story, how it's all going to turn out in the end, he says here in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 5, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God will be with them and be their God. And here it is. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus ultimately promised that a day is coming when he will get rid of death, when he will get rid of abuse, when he'll get rid of injustice and suffering and cancer and whatever else you have gone on in your life, that day is coming. The great author and philosopher C.S. Lewis said this, when a baby is hungry, there's such thing as milk. And when a duckling wants to swim, there's such thing as water. But what do humans do when you long for a world that's free of suffering that doesn't exist in this world? C.S. Lewis said this, 
If I find in myself desires with which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so if you long for a world that is made right, where every tear is wiped from every eye, no more death or suffering or pain, you need to put your hope in Jesus. He is the one who redeems pain, redeems suffering. Jesus is better than bodyguard God. And following this Jesus will get you through whatever life will throw at you and will outpace no matter what it can send your way. But you have to invite him in. You have to invite him in into your life to be your Lord and your leader. You have to invite him in even into your pain, even into your trouble, into that part of your heart you don't even want to think about. You got to let him in. Let him replace bodyguard God. He's better than that. Let's pray. Jesus, tear down every false and mistaken idea that we have of you, even if it's half truth, and replace it with what's better. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you for your redemption, for your healing, for your purposes and for your ultimate victory over Satan's sin and death at the end of it all. We worship you now. We invite you into the depths of our heart to bring your hope and your healing. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen for that. Hey, listen, if you're somebody and you're hearing what I'm speaking about today, about pain and Jesus redeeming suffering and hurt and loss, we want to let you know that we want to help you take your next step of faith. I just got a sense in my heart, whether here in this room or online, that there's somebody here going, I, I need that. We want to help you find that. If that's you, help us connect with you. Text the word next to the number on the screen and you can just go ahead and fill out the form there or you can just go to communityofhope.church slash next. Help us help you find the redeeming purpose and healing that Jesus brings to humanity. Amen. Amen. Would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend.